You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we brush up on our late 90s cliches as we review I'll Be Home for Christmas in the middle of March. But first, Eddie, how's you and the family doing? How's you and the family? Did, I, did you say use? Use, use, in, the use in the family? How use in the family doing? I, f- I felt like that I was not back. not a 90s cliche. I felt like I was back in Missouri with some of my, my family. Missouri? There, but they say use. Use guys. Time. Hey, use guys. Yes. Um, we are doing great. We are in a constant loop between um, Moana and Moana and Moana. Ooh. Uh, we broke out of Encanto for a little bit. Okay. Until it gets, it now gets recommended at the end of Moana, right? So we've learned you got to like, got to hop on it. You got to be right on top of it. And who's, and who's pushing the, the, the trigger for Moana? It's Ellie. Ooh. She's, she's gaining her own voice. She's gaining her own voice. And she's at this phase where she's got, you know, just all these little curls, the teeth are in, but they're still like these little tiny baby teeth. And she just grins up at you and she goes, Moana, Mana, Moana, Mana. Uh, and you're like, I can't say no to this. I can't say no to this face. <laughs> until like this afternoon, um, Sarah and Lewis were off on a little adventure. So I was like, okay, just her and I, Asa was taking a nap. We're just going to enjoy a movie together. And so, of course, I let her pick. And of course, she picks Moana. Yep. And a second it ends, she's like, Moana, Moana, Moana again, Moana again? again. And you don't, you're like, no, 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 no. But okay. <laughs> but it is funny to see her get like her own, her own voice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right before bedtime, they were asking, can we watch, can we watch one, la- you know, one thing right before we go to bed and was like, okay, you know, we'll look. And uh, of course, Ellie asked for Moana, which was much longer than what we were expecting uh, or anticipating. And Lewis really wanted to watch Mickey Mouse shorts. And so he made the strong case to her for Mickey Mouse shorts. <laughs> Make the strong case. Well, you, you know, they've got to, they've got to work these things out. They've got to arbitrate their own decision making. Yep. So he uh, he did a good job, and we uh, we watched some. So he won the Mickey argument. Mouse shorts. He won the argument. She was happy the second she saw that Minnie Mouse was on there. She was all smiles and ready to go. Completely forgot about Moana. Mm-hmm. Until tomorrow. Until tomorrow, <laughs> when but it woke up our ground. Don't get me wrong. I think Moana Moana's fantastic. It's, it's great. Just it's one of it's my favorites. Solid. It's just such solid storytelling. Um, the directors are Ron Clements and John Musker. You know them from such great films as Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, and of course, JB's favorite, The Great Mouse Detective. Mm. Do I not love The Great Mouse Detective? Why Why would you solidify me, like, call me out uh, on no. that? I s- 
No, I just, I know it's like your favorite. You had great mouse detective bedsheets as kids, though. Bedsheets. I do remember that. One of your favorites. Very, very vibrant bedsheets that we will move on from quickly. As I am a little little self-conscious about my bedsheets. But anyways. But, Eddie, there's a couple movies that came to us through Disney Plus this week. Uh, One that I had forgotten was coming to... uh, to Disney Plus and another highly anticipated because you can't get it anywhere else in Pixar movies. Which one would you like to start with? Um, let's start with West Side Story. Okay. The, Spielberg. Um, Spielberg's West Side Story reimagining, remake, whatever you want to call it. They, they keep trying to say it a few different ways. Um, this was a remake of the 1961 Classic. I think, you know, that's, uh, I know that gets used a lot, but the 1961 version um, is pretty well solidified as one of the the greatest movie musicals of all time. Um, it won Best Picture. It, um, oh, it did. It won Best Picture that year. And uh, Rita Moreno won Best Supporting Actress for her portrayal of Anita. Um, and I thought it had another. Um, Academy Award in there as well. So yeah, I mean, when it goes, when to say it's a, it's one of the greatest movie musicals of all time. Yeah, it's not, it's not a stretch. It's not overselling it. Um, so when it was said that Spielberg was gonna remake it, it was like, oof. If any, if anyone else were touching this, I think everybody would have been a little nervous. Yeah. But because it was Spielberg, and he is, he has long said. You know, one of the last remaining big things he's wanted to do in his career is a really big movie musical. Um, and man, did he um, did he pick a, a humdinger to um, to be his first musical? So West Side Story, the 2021 version, it is up for seven nominations for Oscars, with including Best Picture and Director, Supporting Actress, Cinematography, Production Design, Costume Design, Sound. Kind of takes all of some of the major categories that you would expect, other than editing. Editing is not in here, which is usually a harbinger for what's going to win Best Picture at times. Uh, there are a lot of times they overlap Best Editing and Best uh, Picture usually. And that's surprising because this it's it's got really good editing. So what's interesting is as we are about to start the movie because I saw it last. We just watched it last night together. Um, my wife and I, she, it starts up and she's like, hey, have you seen the original? I said, no, I actually haven't seen the original. She stopped. She literally stopped it during the credits. And she was like, you could see her like doing the math in her head. Like, should we stop this right now and try to watch the original? And she was like, do you want to go back and watch the rich? And you can see her like wanting to watch the new thing, but also like, is this going to ruin it if this movie sucks? And then I don't want to watch the original and then and anything. I was just like, let's just go for it. Let's just <laughs> let's venture down this road. We're already right there. Just click play. And, and then we went on, went on with it. I, re- I man, I have very distant memories of watching the original. It is not, it was not one of our favorites. Um, but uh, so if I had seen it, it had maybe been once. It was no 12 brides for 12 brothers. Seven brides for seven brothers. Um, no, that's that's that is uh, on holy ground in in my mother's DVD collection. Um, 
So yeah, I, I don't have a, a firm grasp on the the nineteen sixty one version. I I know the music really well, and I think anybody who has uh, taken a high school literature class understands the story from Romeo and Juliet. A lot of overlaps with uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I mean it is clear. I mean it was based off of Romeo and Juliet. It's a it was a reinterpretation. So how did you feel now watching the new one? how it lived up to the original. Um, I mean, it, it definitely does. It doesn't have the guys running around in obviously darkening makeup to make them look like they're Puerto Rican. Like the, <laughs> the, the original they cast actual had, Puerto Ricans or they, like they cast, you know, Rita Moreno is Puerto Rican, but many of the other guys of the sharks were, um, we're not Puerto Rican, but painted to look Puerto Rican, which Ooh. doesn't doesn't age well. It didn't look well then. It's not, it's not um, the way 2021 would go. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, this was man. It has been a long time since I have watched a Spielberg movie or I think a movie of his of his directorial caliber. And man, it's just it's stunning. It's stunning. And you see how when everything fires, how it can make just a great film, even if it's not going to end up being one of your favorite movies or something you're going to go back and watch all the time. You just see a guy like him at the helm and how set design and costuming and choreography and editing and the 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 cinematography is fantastic, but even just the way that he sets up shots, um, you know, I was thinking of when like um, uh, the two guys are down in the basement, Tony and the other guy, his name's uh, evading me, when they're like talking through the shelves and they're they're like the stocking shelves, and the way he's just peering the camera through the shelves. Like you're in there with them having this conversation in and amongst the shop inventory. It's just, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this on so many levels, not just I, I love musicals. I thought these, the, these were amazing performances. Um, but man, you just feel Spielberg all over this film. I mean, you get it from the opening scenes where it's like the shots with like the crane shots going down cranes that are in the rubble and up and around. And you like no idea where this crane is, where this camera is going, where it's going to go next. If you had no idea who had directed it, you would know in the opening credit. Okay, yes, this is a Spielberg film because only he does shots like this. And nowadays with just all of the motion and energy to it. Um, so yes, I, I, I picked that up the moment we started with it. Uh, and yeah, you're right. There's a lot of really beautiful scenes in this. Although, um, my wife kind of called it out that she was like, this doesn't feel real. Some of the, the, sh- the areas that they're shooting at, obviously, cause most of those places don't really exist in real life. So sure. a lot of them are CGI extended sets and things like that. Sure. Um, but some of the lighting was kind of made it feel kind of uh, not supernatural, but uh, non-realistic. Storybook. Yeah, yeah, storybook. So I think that was an intentional decision. Uh, w- what I found interesting was one, all of the songs that I didn't know were from this musical that I had heard oh, yeah. Yeah. moments from 
all throughout yeah. this film, most of the most of the film, I'm like, wait, I've heard that song before. I've heard people yeah. making fun fun of that song or using it out of context in another film or something like that. Um, I feel pretty. I forget where I've seen that, but I feel like a dude was singing that <laughs> last time. I, <laughs> last time I heard that, uh, but things like that were like, oh, I I'd forgotten the pop culture references that we are still using now that came from this film. But for me overall, I I wasn't that into the film. Like I I wasn't into oh. the storyline, and maybe it's because I you know Romeo and Juliet, so you know it's going to go badly. Sure. And I think uh, I I don't know if I just wasn't in that mo- in the mood for a period piece or whatever. But I just wasn't. Um, and I kind of was just mad. I'm like, just Tony, don't go to the dance. Just Tony, stop. Just, just leave. Come on, man. Just, just leave. No, don't go to the fight. You don't. Ah, they brought a gun. Ah, I was just so frustrated over and over again with his life choices. <laughs> I was, I was just so frustrated <coughs> with it. But that's just me. I, I don't think that it had anything to do with how good the actual filming or the acting or the singing. Which she was. Rachel Zegler was amazing. Like her voice is just so. It was. I don't know, song, I don't know what the right word is for it, but it was just amazing. And uh, Ansel, however you pronounce his last name, the guy who plays Tony, like, I had no idea he was that talented of of a singer, but he's fantastic as well. Honestly, all of them, like the singing was phenomenal in this. I really, really enjoyed it. So do you think it is going to make it? Like, do you think think it's going to clean up at the Oscars or do you think it's going to be one of those... Oh, a lot of people nominated it, but still at the end, probably not going to do it for people. Um, I think um, the lady who played um, Anita, she will, she'll win um, Best Supporting Actress. Um, oh, and she was in the original. No. So Rita Morena, who plays the shopkeeper... She was Anita in the original. Right. That's what I was talking about. You're ta- you yeah. said you were saying somebody else. Rachel Zeg- yeah. who played Maria. Yeah, the late the no, the lady who played Ariana DeBose, who plays Anita in this. Exactly. Uh, uh, Ariana DeBose. She's okay. nominated for Best Supporting Actress and is the heavy favorite to win. And I think everybody would be shocked if she did not. Okay. Yeah. Whether I mean, it's hard. It, this is a really good film. It's probably the best of 2021 that I've seen uh, up there. And man, it's it's so hard because <clears throat> I it, it's just it fires on so many levels. I think it'll clean up a lot of the um, technical categories. Could see that. I don't know if it if it'll have enough to win um, best picture or best directing. I would love for it to though. I don't, I, I'm torn between, I'm not torn. I enjoyed the experience of King Richard more than this. If you got to see King Richard, the Will Smith mm. movie. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this better than King Richard. I just, I just, <clears throat> I, I personally enjoyed the drama and the, 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 just the story. I was, I was compelled by the backstory of the Williams sisters, how they became who they were, this very uh, in, uh, different, um, I would say, obsessed father with, with their, uh, and just the things that he went through. It had shades of, um, 
uh, pursuit of happiness while not going too dark and depressing like uh, pursuit of happiness does. I think that's what drew me into that. And this, maybe it's just because I knew it was a remake and I knew it was um, just the Romeo and Juliet story and period. I think there was just a lot of things that like just didn't taste wise draw me. And I was I was on my phone for half this film. Yeah, no, I, I could see on that. I, I, King Richard's fantastic. Um, and Will Smith definitely deserves to win for best actor on that one. Um, I, I guess for best picture, I look at it and go, everything has to fire, you know, everything's gotta be, and there, there's just a f- several kind of King Richard. I, I didn't think fired on all levels. Like West side story is just, it is a film, you know, it just really fires gotcha. on, on all the levels. The director stuff, man, that's such a, that's such a toss up. You never know with that. Spielberg is just, there's a reason he is Spielberg, right? Like yeah. he's, and, and I think you said it really well earlier, which is um, they don't do shots like that anymore. They don't yeah. frame things. They don't tell the story visually um, like he does. Um, and you're totally right. Like just even those opening credits, I looked at Sarah and I was like, oh, I love a good Spielberg movie. Like I love how he just establishes visual language that supports the overall story. So there's another film that we wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, as well Disney, as Plus, Disney Plus is dropping some big stuff. They're um, they're really um, they're ramping it up. Granted, but you, I am you still mad little... that they are only putting Pixar films on Disney Plus right now for God knows what reason, <laughs> other than Shapek is trying to destroy Disney from the ground, from inside. But <laughs> you're joining the uh, the hate club there. Oh, I'm, um, I'm definitely on the hate club. So the movie, the movie that just dropped this week, uh, the Pixar film was Turning Red, the latest uh, Pixar film. Um, about uh, a 13-year-old girl going through puberty, and they pretty much are right on the nose with a lot of the imagery in this. Yeah. Uh, and I feel this, I feel like being two dudes in our mid-30s now... Totally unqualified to rate this. Totally unqualified to rate this. I told, I told my wife at the end of it, I was like, I am more interested in your thoughts of this movie. Yeah, I did the same almost, thing. <laughs> almost, than my, almost than my own. One of the overarching just thoughts in my head is like, the the writers of this, uh, I said a story by Domi Shi, who's the director of this. I'm just, it just makes me wonder like if they're, growing up ages was just a very traumatic event <laughs> in their household like to write a story like this which feels like a, a, a personal thing to some degree like it feels like this 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 uh the creators of this just ha- were pulling some of it felt like it was pulled from like real life situations in a very unique niche area it's like set in toronto in a um in a japanese home uh, a mixed race group of people, uh, the, these girls. Uh, and I'm just like, I was kind of going, it feels like a very, even though it's obviously a crazy story of her turning into uh, a giant uh, panda bear, a <laughs> uh, uh, red panda during during this, that it still felt like, oh, the, I, like I haven't looked at the background of 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 this director to, to see any of the interviews and I think there actually is a Disney Plus special with the director of this that I need to go check out. I got too sidetracked by seeing Encanto had new 
behind the scenes out now. So I would, yes, Eddie, if you can't see Eddie, your eyes got really big on that. You got to go check it out because it was great. But I think mm-hmm. I left going like, this is a, it felt like a very personal story of like, I think person pulling from their real life experiences because they were just very specific references and stuff like that. Yes. No, this is um, pretty autobiographical. Um, I, I don't think you can be, if it wasn't for the giant red panda, this would just be a straight up autobiographical, like yep. how to grow up Coming of Chinese age. Canadian uh, and become 13. This will be, yeah, very, uh, this is what this looks like, except for the giant, giant red panda. Um, this is, uh, all other things aside, like just setting so many things aside here. Uh, I think this is though, what makes Pixar Pixar. Um, I go back to, um, something Brad Bird said, I think in the making of like the Incredibles, I remember him saying animation is not a genre. Animation is a medium. And I and I think that is a uh, something I whether intentional or not, Pixar has always done so well in that we often do think in popular culture as animation as a genre, as a subset that it's for kids, it's yeah. this, it's a little bit, you know, um, lower um, thematic level, you know, conversations or whatever. And Pixar, and especially of late, right, with films like Onward and Soul and now this, that you get these hefty conversations done in an approachable uh, medium. And they are just trying new things. Like this is a story that I think if it were... On paper, I I'm like, what? No. How did they like when like I first? Yeah. How wh- who who agreed to green like this? Well, of course it's Pixar, and Pixar is willing to to tell bold stories like this. Yes, that and it's interesting as you, as I'm just thinking of the last few Pixar films, none of them are remakes. They're all fresh new stories. Soul, Onward, Luca, Turning Red. None of those. They're all very niche. Isn't even right the right word. They're they're set in very, like Luca set in this very specific type of Italian city. Toronto, the uh, turning red set in Toronto specifically. Yeah. Not even in like a predominantly Asian culture. It's like set in. It's a yeah. subset of Toronto. Right. Um, you've got onward. Obviously, it's in its own. But the, I think I don't know. I'm trying to think of any of these films. I was like. Soul, I was very interested in the concept of it. I was very drawn in by, oh, what are they going to do? This is kind of like Inside Out. What are they going to do here? It's very world building to some degree. And even Onward had a little bit of that, but Onward looked so quirky um, from the trailers and stuff. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about watching this. But now Onward has become one of our favorite films since then. And And we also liked Luca as well. Um, I don't know that this film is going to have the re I, my daughter actually, strangely, even though she's only two years old, re- like likes this film mostly because of the big red panda. But I don't think that this film for us, at least is going to be a rewatchable, even talk to my wife. She's like, yeah, I'm not really didn't really yeah, that was, with it as much. That was the same response that we had. Um, th- there's a lot of approachability, no matter who you are. Um, especially the early 2000s reference, like setting it as a 
Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Um, I think, and, and again, I mean, this is the, um, the story choices that Pixar made here um, were so bold in that kind of making it this recent period piece, mixing in some really cool anime that animation style into there. Yeah, all their um, eyes. And then ta- the, the eyes are really what I what I caught on to. But I, I couldn't tell yeah. if the eyes really, like they were helping set the tone of like the Japanese anime stuff. But some of that also kind of was odd in the sense that nothing else was other than like the 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 people intro, the her friends intros had the anime style to it, but almost yeah, felt like any grafted t- anytime- in. Anytime she stepped into exposition is when the animation style turned a lot more anime. Um, But the rest of it felt like Pixar. So that's where I felt like they could have gone farther in the anime. Like I, I enjoyed the little flourishes of it, but they could have gone even farther with, with some of it. I think Uh, not that they'd have to go all 2d or anything like that. Um, But I felt like they could have, leaned even heavier because the rest of it feels like a Pixar film that you kind of know and enjoy. Maybe that's why they didn't do as much, but, but uh, uh, we, we agree with what you guys are saying. Um, Really good. I think we will watch this again sometime. Um, I just don't think that this is going to be uh, one of the favorites, something we go back to frequently. Um, It, uh, it had some funny moments it, it was a really interesting story, but um, overall, I don't know. Um, I, I appreciated what they what they were trying to do, though. I, I I applaud just kind of bold storytelling like this. And speaking of bold storytelling, the episode that everybody is the movie everybody's here for some very bold s- storytelling, breaking barriers, trying new things. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. It is. Just another nineties <laughs> JTT. It is f- <laughs> formulaic. Yeah, no, no. Oh goodness, the movie we're talking about, which you probably clicked on to listen to this, unless I added some of the other things in the title as well. Still debating that. Uh, but the movie that we're talking about today is yes, we're talking about this in March. It is I'll Be Home for Christmas. Cue the Disney sound effect. I actually went on our website, Eddie, to make sure that this wasn't the actual last film of 1998, and it's not. There's there's several more films to go. I don't know why this one was so much higher in the list that we copied off of their website, but anyways. So the IMDb description for I'll Be Home for Christmas is thus. A college student faces an impossible journey when he is left stranded in the desert thousands of miles from home with no money and only a few days left until Christmas. Eddie, did you ever watch this film before we had to watch this for this, this podcast? Um, I have seen this. Uh, I'm pretty sure once before I remember exactly our family, time, our family renting this and watching this together. Yeah. I had not. I just saw JTT and my wife got very excited for it, although I mostly watch this by myself. So the IMDb uh, begins with a college student faces. So let's begin there with the setting of college, because this is where it opens. And um, now I know we 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 had very different college experiences than most people. (laughs) 
Um, but um, one, I don't know of too many colleges that, let's just be honest, it looks exactly like a high school. I was if confused at first. I was really confused at first. And, and, and <laughs> here's where I was confused, okay? Bear with me. I'm, I'm in the midst of severe culture shock and just trying to figure out what end is up in life. Um, here, and in most countries in the world, actually, they actually call high school college and college university, right? So if you mm. go to England, you go to primary university. school, secondary school, college, and then, you know, university. That's the how it is here in Costa Rica. The opening of this film was so confusing to me that I was having this like weird, like, hold on, does the U.S. have that same system too? Did I just miss this? Like, do we actually call high school college or is it high school? No, is it college? And I'm like, no, 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 we don't. Like, I, I know this. This, okay, this is actual college. We were actually in college. This has, yeah. but it has so many, um, I think what happened was they had a high school building to film in. And so they just like, oh yeah, let's throw in this, he gets stuck in a locker sequence and oh that's just yes, why this that's what threw college and then the co- the classrooms look more like a high school classroom than a college classroom um but yeah it just kind of that threw me at the beginning it took me a little while to to get into it plus they all look and maybe i'm just you know almost 35 um but they all look like they're in high school they don't look like high schoolers they look like movie high schoolers like when like because <laughs> there's a difference there's a difference because please please explain the difference i want to hear your full analysis of air quotes movie high schoolers rarely ever does hollywood hire the exact same age actors to play the roles of the people that they're supposed to be playing especially when they're younger normally they try to get older actors that look like they can pass for younger because they are more mature, can have more emotional range, and usually just better. It's just frankly, they're normally better. So any most of the shows out there that you've seen, most of the time, if you look up the age of the actors when they were playing high schoolers or junior high or, or whatever, they're usually a lot older than that age range. Uh, so looking at them, they looked like these are the types of actors that maybe they, they actually look like they were in college, but they were like, oh, I just assumed, oh, these would be doing uh, high schoolers right now. But they weren't. They were actually college people. And you know, what threw me off also was I said some Palisades I, College or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, there's a Palisades High School. And so that's why I started getting really confused. So not to throw a wrench into your whole theory there, but to throw a wrench in your whole theory JTT was 16 when he filmed this movie. So he was actually way younger. (laughs) He couldn't actually be in college at this point. That's so funny. He wasn't even 18 when the movie came out. That is so funny. They they tried to pass him off. That's what, you know what? This was just all confusing, Eddie. Told you, this is just confusing film. There's going to be a lot more confusion as we go along. uh, Oh, yes. You got got something on your mind you want to talk about? No, I mean the whole the the that opening sequence while they're still like in college, and I'm just anytime we reference them being in college, I, for those of you watching the video, let's just say I'm it's school. Air Let's just say school. It's school. They're at school. Okay. Um, 
is so full of like the 90s cliches from the beepers to the um, the nerdy kid helping the jocks with their homework, um, fake IDs, like everything, everything just was so, um, uh, so cheesy and over the top. How'd you like his uh, uh, answering machine or his the guy answering for him? He can't come to the phone right now. He's busy. He's busy accessorizing. Accessorizing. <laughs> and definitely one of the best, uh, the best actually prescient quotes from this film that I felt like he was seeing into the future, which is mm-hmm. when he's being caught um, in the lie that he's that he's trying to get get out of. Uh, when he says, "Is the convenience of technology?" worth the loss of our privacy. <laughs> it was like, that actually that's is a really great, that, that's, that's some deep words that I wish people from Google and Amazon and everybody else would have taken seriously back in the nineties. But, but no, no, they didn't. The antics are funny. Um, he does play off a kind of a, I mean, what would you say? He's a little bit of a shyster, you know, he's a little bit that's of a, a, a wheeler, a wheeler and a dealer. Uh, and we've got to mention at this point, not just Jonathan Taylor Thomas is in this, but you've got Jessica Beale. Yep. Um, she uh, is in this film. She was a, a big, she was big during this time. If you remember Seventh Heaven, Seven she was in that. Freaking Heaven. Th- does that not was, age well. Do not go back and rewatch Seventh Heaven, especially the opening episode. It's cringy. Like, really? Weird. Now, now I feel like I need to. No, it's uncomfortable. Some of the relationships between the family members is pretty uncomfortable. Um, I'm just gonna okay. leave it at that. It, it's okay. It's weird. Uh, but no, you're right. Like, like, so she was a big, like, big actress at this time. Obviously, would go on to move on from JTT to just JT herself, as she's oh, married to Justin what you Timberlake. Did there. You like oh, that? Snap! Yes. Another '90s reference right there. Oh, snap! Uh, some of the things in here, his fascination with the for, with the Porsche uh, and the you've never downshifted until you've downshifted in a Porsche. And the <laughs> fact that they're trying to hook this entire film to be this like, at least the ending of it to be this really heartfelt thing when he's just doing it for the Porsche the entire freaking time. And they try to make it turn it. They try to give you that force Disney ending at the very, very end with him and her in the sleigh. It and didn't know what it wanted to be, right? Like oh, it, it knew what it wanted to be. It wanted to be but a then quirky it tries, film. It, 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 but the, then it tries and does the whole, like, my mom died and I'm having, you know, trauma and returning home. That, you know, oh, but my dad. And yet we go for that ending at the end. And I'm like, oh, you had the makings of a, of a really heartfelt you know, f- Christmas movie. It just went too quirky too many times where you're going, okay, that's weird. All right. That's weird. It's, it's just funny seeing Gary Cole who plays a lot of like quirky characters to play a very straight forward father, yes. just wanting his son to come back home for yes. Christmas. So that was, that's kind of, it was like, Oh man, I like you in so many other things. I him. wish you would have, done some other things here like i I just wanted more from him especially yeah if you're gonna go quirky it just needed to be all out quirky and not try and have these fake uh, moments in there that being said let's just let's let's take 
the quirky road trip with JTT for a moment here, okay? <laughs> I loved and loved I'm overusing when I say that, but I thoroughly enjoyed just the one right after another of the different quirky scenarios, right? So we have the old ladies <laughs> in the car. Do you think it's funny how easy <laughs> old people can catch pneumonia? I've never heard the term yammied for puking, but now I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. And when she gets mad and she's like, well, of course we kick you out. That's what we do for people who yammied in my sister's handbag. Oh, my goodness. And he has to put the teeth back in the the really old lady. All of it. It's just this. I was like. Okay, that's a funny setup. Okay, that's a that 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 was a good one. Then we move on to the guy in the van, mm-hmm. which that was special. It was special, and I gotta say, the moment I felt it was special was when he says, "Hey, we can't have the same conversation for two hours," but the guy's still holding the same hamburger and uh, tomato. Oh, yeah, from oh. when he picked him up, you know, and you're like. Either he's got a lot of hamburgers or there's just a the continuity director was sleeping on the job there. Um, Then then they go into the hospital and it gets awkwardly emotional and you've got all of those fun things. Then we bounce over to the to the police officer. Right. And I think that's what was so interesting about this film. Uh, And I just don't know the adjectives to choose here because there was this. Slight enjoyment, but then also I'm I'm speeding through bits of this because I'm going, OK, I OK. Yeah, I can't do this. Um, But the the police officer going to win back his long lost love, lost love. Um, if you can get Marjorie to come home, I'll buy you a bus ticket to the moon. Just know. Please tell me you picked up on the name of the restaurant. Yes. The turf and turf. Turf and turf. Loved it. <laughs> I want to go eat at this restaurant. I need to do some research and see if I can actually find it. Because I love that they actually are eating next to the cows. Like yes. there's the glass windows. And they're eating next to the cow corral. Oh my goodness. The turf and turf. This is just brilliant. And if it's set in Iowa, of course. Where else? Did you catch all of his lines? So the all the all when he's like reading off on the the cue cards for what he's supposed to be saying, and then he just goes off script at the end. Yes, a little bit. Did you catch the very the very last one when he says, "Let me make it up to you on the velvet yes. tree skirt"? <laughs> just like, oh, what is happening here? Not interested in that. No, I'm like, I don't. I don't, this is where I'm like, I don't understand if this movie understands what it's trying to be here. It doesn't. Because oh, it it definitely, yeah, it's just got some moments. It's got some risque moments here. Oh, Marjorie. Oh, Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really didn't feel in the majority of the time like a Christmas movie. Like the majority of the film was had nothing to do with Christmas no. other than he was stuck in the suit. He's stuck in the Santa suit. If he wasn't stuck in the Santa suit. And that makes me wonder, like, how did this get written? Did this get written as just a crazy road trip? And then 
they were like, oh, we got to set around the holidays. We need to, yeah, this is, if we could make this come out at the Christmas time, we could make a lot more money. Can you rework this? I mean, I think that they could have easily rewritten, like thinking of it, like any Christmas element to it could have been grafted in at the end. Even the sure. reason why, because he could have just been like, hey, you need to come home by such and such a time for fill in the blank holiday, for fill in the blank whatever reason. And it said, by the way, I'll give you the Porsche if you're here. And he would have, right. could have been family reunion, could have been Groundhog Day, Labor Day, doesn't, St. Patrick's Day, uh, just for you, Eddie. Uh, Thank you. This week. This week. Thursday. Uh, yeah, I've, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't think they needed any of that. Speaking of didn't need it, were those, <laughs> were those trained vultures? Those look like real <laughs> vultures. And yes. they're like, they're like right next to him. Now, granted, there could have been like ton doubles of stuff like that. I'm like, these are real vultures that are like walking around. Like, I didn't know you could train vultures to do anything. I'm so, uh, it was guinea pigs in the, <laughs> the previous or the, the groundhogs in a couple episodes uh, ago. Um, and now trained vultures, Disney, you're, animal training department is on fire right now on fire on fire and maybe it shouldn't be this on fire because i don't know the train vultures added much to it but anyways but can we talk about the couple things that don't make sense one the geography they're going from southern california to vegas to that's that well to vegas first sure then they go to nebraska uh, and then it's Iowa, Wisconsin. They're going a northern route that's higher than New York City. Like, why wouldn't you go straight across, like, no, the I middle mean, of if, the country? If you're going, well, we don't know where. Well, I'm, we're assuming New York, New York, because he flies into JFK and is there within an hour. Um, the uh, That would make sense, though, because you've got 80. 80 runs across the whole... I, it doesn't make sense to go from Las Vegas up no, to that's Iowa. That's what I'm saying. That's um, what I'm saying. But so from Iowa to New York, okay, you can do 80 straight across. So but we're just going to do country, this. New York City. Let's just going to route you through Atlanta. What's the what's the No, it's going to take you Route Indiana. 66. Yeah, it's going to take you up to Indiana. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. There's the no The crossroads reason. of America. Can we just say that everybody Indiana the crossroads of America. Mm -hmm. they, and also, wait a minute, Wisconsin, he, they go to, I think. It there makes is, no sense that it goes to Wisconsin. Even, yeah. yeah, even if you went to Las Vegas, actually, you know what? I'm looking at this right now. If you go the northern route, which is only an hour difference, Eddie, by the way. Mm -hmm. An uh, hour more. Go to Las Vegas. You can go to Nebraska that way and to Iowa, but there is no Wisconsin on this, on this trip. There is, it's... No. You don't go any farther north than Chicago. So what I thought was kind of off actually isn't too off. It's just the Wisconsin route. So I don't feel as bad. But the other part of it that does make me mad is they left him on the side of the road. Like they were gone on their road trip. And he is trying to hitchhike his way once he gets back to civilization. There is no way that they would have been in parallel passing each other on the road back and forth. Like when the cops pull him, like he's riding with the cops and they and they speed past and he like sees them off the corner of his eye. Like they that that they left like hours, like half a day before him. 
when they when he kind of runs into them at the at the thing that like there's no way that they're that in sync on this trip together well it depends on where we don't know where in the desert they left him maybe they left him further east in the desert than palisades was i'm just confused i'm just it looks there's a lot of joshua trees nearby so i was kind of like well maybe he's a little further west but what's not making sense is so he he gets back to the road he's back to civilization he sees them at the stop or whatever and it's like they drive off sure and it's a day it's like a full day he's trying to get somebody to help him and nobody does and he sleeps through the night and then that's when he gets up to like to try to go and he gets in the van with the guy and then they get the police escort there's no way that that police escort caught up to their car which would have left a long time ago let alone multiple times catching back up with each other that was super unrealistic to me at least that was crazy i have no idea how that was just unrealistic it, it dropped me out of it and i was so wanting this to be a great film but <laughs> as unreal as unrealistic as stowing aboard a dog carrier to oh my god new york the dog carrier to new york that actually wasn't even the most outlandish thing that just seemed like such a oh wait in our story we've left him in wisconsin we need to quickly get him to new york how are we going to do that let's use a prop plane to get him there and he has to use a secret password for his ticket that was never going to work i was like never going to work she can't can't buy him a ticket he doesn't have an id this is he's got to fly yeah come on for for also the sign to run in the Santa 5K run, I, I was like, why are you running in this? There's no setup. There's no like, oh, you'll win a bunch of money. Maybe I missed that well, point. The, and, and, and I, okay, good. Okay, because I thought I was losing it. I'm like, I don't understand why he's running this. Did I miss a piece of exposition explaining Crucial why he went did that? He just joined him because he was wearing it, the outfit. I'm like, there, no, you got to go. Like, why are you running this 5K now? And it's only at the end. Oh, you... Win oh, money. You win money. And then you, have to oh, give it all you took it away from the people you who guilted. Need it. You were guilted into giving um, it up to set up our and Christmas that, ending. And and that's where you wonder, like, does he really change? Is this really a character arc? There's zero character arc until that I last mean, crash ending. You get that little ending where he's like, it's 559, you made it, run in. No, let's just sit and watch. What are let's we sit and watching? watch the meat. What? And then she asks, "What are you, what are we watching?" My family. Da, 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 da. It's just yeah. like no, no. I, was like, I, wah, I feel wah. I feel none of this. This is so cheesy. The you want to know the box office numbers for this movie? Please just go ahead and tell me. So it cost them thirty million dollars to make this movie. Uh, I'd love to know where all that money went, but <laughs> mostly to JTT. Most to JTT. Um, the film on its opening weekend made three point nine million. Oh, it tanked, and in its total run, gathered twelve million. Wow! So that, it is. That's why we've official, never heard of this film because it right. was so bad. It was so bad. Um, 
I just want to read for you because I enjoy some of these, the uh, critiques, the uh, critics. <laughs> One critic said, neither parent nor child will find any merit in this mess. <laughs> And then one of my favorites, Roger Ebert, uh, always love his commentary. He gives the film one star and described the film as (laughs) as Pleasantville made from antimatter. What does that even mean? (laughs) He says (laughs) the film is about people who seem to be removed from a 50s sitcom so they can spread cliches, ancient jokes dumb plotting and empty cheerful sanitized gimmicks into a world and into our world and time what's interesting was as i'm thinking about how i want to rate this film i was i I, the only way i can really describe it is the um ben the vince vaughn effect where somebody just continually yeah just like wears you down until you're like you know what he wasn't that bad after all, or he kind of wins right. you over just talking enough. That's what I felt like JTT was in this entire, what Jonathan Taylor Thomas was in this entire, like I had to explain who JTT was. Seriously. Who am I talking to? Uh, who J- JTT basically was that in this film. And I was gonna maybe give it a little bit more, but the more we just reminisce about how awful this film Me is. Me too. Me too. I was gonna, I was gonna give, if we had to give our, Numbers at the very beginning. I was going to try to eke it out a little bit more. Me too. But Me too. The more, it's just bad. It's just, a, it other is. than turf and turf, it's just bad. Uh, here, here's where, where this got, this, I don't know. I, I went back to our TNT analogy where if this is on TNT, would yeah. you stop and watch some of it? And I got to say, yes, because it's a bit like watching a train wreck where you can't peel your eyes away. Partially. You know, as, yeah. as soon as I'm like, oh, this is awful. I'm totally done. Then they pull the turf and turf thing on me. And I'm just, <laughs> oh, my goodness. This, doggone you know, it. Doggone it. Love that turf do? and turf. But let, let's just have a moment here with uh, JTT, your friend and mine, JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. What a unique um, capturing the decade career, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and, and I thought of this going back to one of my favorite moments in Turning Red is their, I can't remember what it's called, but their, their Bop magazine, their version of the Teen Bop magazine. Do you remember yes. all the girls having Teen, the Bop magazines? Yep. And JTT is like covered all over the front of it. Um this guy capitalized on the 90s with home improvement. He's in The Lion King. He's in this. Uh, he goes and does the adventures of Pinocchio, or he already had done that. He did it in 96. Um, he has just these couple of moments, and then he's gone. He's out. He's done. He took our money and ran. And it's like, I mean, Wikipedia doesn't even have an up-to-date photo of him. Their photo is still from 1998. Yeah, IMDb right now. It's a, it's got to be maybe this 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 same year or maybe a little bit older. Like and 98, 99. He's 40 now. Mhm. Took I, the money and ran. I mean, he he did it good. Just he, he get it all done in like on. a decade. 
he he makes an appearance on Last Man Standing, which I think most of the uh, Home Improvement cast made it. Uh, he its came back to Last Man. He came on Last Man Standing. Yeah, he did four episodes of La- Last Man wow. Standing. They must, and yeah, he had nothing between two thousand six, which as a director. Was a director, yeah. or no, no, he was called the director in it. Never mind. Uh, and last man standing, and that's it. Yeah, they, I can't imagine how much money they had to pull to get him out of there. Smallville, he had a little bit of run in Smallville, interesting, but you're right. Yeah, there's nothing, there's almost nothing. No, he was, he enjoyed his, his decade of the 90s and cashed those checks and then got out of there, which. Good for him. Yeah. Know your, know your moment. Know, know your worth. Yeah. And know like, hey, this ride isn't last, isn't going to last forever. Because there is those, the, you're just, there are those who can stand the test of time. You know, not everybody can be Joseph Gordon Lovett. Yeah. But then there are those who are, you're just kind of like, mm, you've, you've stayed too long. You've, you've, you've tried too much. All so. right. This movie, this fruit snack rating. Can I just now that we have the full list out there, you know, this is I've I'm gotta compare here a little bit. Tom and Huck, the last JTT movie we reviewed all the way back in nineteen ninety-five. I gave it three fruit snacks, you gave it two. Yeah, and it's definitely lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch Tom and Huck before I would watch this film again. So for that, I'm going to struggling on which there's two numbers in my head. The only two numbers that are below that. I think I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a one and a half. That's what I thought going into it. That's what I was going to give it. I'm going to stick with one and a half because it's, there's so many flaws, but there is the old ladies. There are the beepers. There's the turf and turf. There's just enough to get it. Just an extra half. I think I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 2. Ooh. Just for those good little antics where if this were on TNT, I would stop and watch it. Okay. Gotcha. And I, I I maybe this should be a a thing we start adding. I think I would like to see the 2022 Disney Plus version of this. Like, come on, how is, remake how's it. Di- how's it going to be different? It's, I think it's going to own its quirky craziness. It's not going to feel schizophrenic. Is it still a Christmas movie? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Christmas movie. They probably milk the Christmas side of it even more. They have to, right? Because you can't yeah. make, like anytime there's a Christmas movie now, it's got to be, f- you got to go full, full Christmas. Full Christmas. So I think for that, and, and I, I would, I, I want to see that. It, it won't happen, but I want to see it. Disney so Plus, gonna, if you're listening right now, you need to listen. You've got at least one taker for a piece of content. Yeah. And I mean, that, co- that idea, though, goes back to even when we opened reviewing two huge new movies on Disney Plus just within a few days of themselves. Um, and recently Disney even said they're going to, in a, probably a year, 
be at such a high quantity of churning out content on Disney Plus that they feel like it'll be enough value to begin raising the price on Disney Plus. Of course they And are. introducing later this year uh, kind of what Peacock has, that kind of ad version ad. Of, of Disney Plus. Um, so that tells I mean, they're, they're wanting to really step it up. So if you really, really want to step it up, Disney Plus, you would do a, a remake of I'll Be Home for Christmas. And with that, your life has been forever changed by this episode of Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, uh, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and as always, share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com. And you can see our full movie list there as we continue to go through all of our Disney movies from 1990, 1988 to 2005, including next week's episode. We will review, oh, I'm excited about this, A Bug's Life. Get another Pixar film in here. So excited. Thank you for listening. And remember, let's blow this popsicle stand because I have butt warmers in the seat.